unfortunately state agencies aren't or, or government agencies aren't always the best at being able to say this is you know the value of demand response versus building new stuff and so i i think the markets you know when 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 um when markets reform i think they're better able to capture some of that stuff um or some of those new energy technologies uh, welcome to another episode of energy talks the podcast where we discuss global energy issues and trends with experts from around the world. My guest today is Dr. Josh Rhodes, a research fellow at the Energy Institute and the Weber Energy Group at the University of Texas at Austin. His current research is in the area of smart grids, including the impacts of energy efficiency, distributed generation, and storage. And today, we're gonna to be discussing the very hot topic of electricity market reform. So welcome to Energy Talks, Josh. Thanks for having me, glad to be here. Now, I first ran into your work. You were the co-author of a study called A Comparison of New Electric Utility Business Models, and which I found very interesting and useful. And to put the broader context around this conversation, uh, there's a couple of trends I wanted to point out, which, and you'll no doubt point out a number as well. The energy transition and electrification of economies, both regional and, and uh, national, means a big increase in demand for electricity. And I know in, you know, in British Columbia and Canada, where we are, you and I, uh, that means maybe a doubling or tripling by 2050. So that mm -hmm. puts a lot of strain on existing electric, electricity systems. Then, of course, there's distributed energy led by solar that's forcing policymakers, regulators, and utilities to rethink business models and markets. And then, of course, there's the many new enabling technologies like artificial intelligence that allow us to generate and distribute electricity in all kinds of different new ways. So with that as an introduction, why don't you, for our listeners, most of whom will not be familiar with electricity markets, give us Electricity Market 101. Sure. Yeah, no. Um, so, you know, and like you said, um, electricity use is, is only growing. Um, but if we if we take a step back and kind of look at how electricity, uh, ha if we take a step back and look at how electricity evolved over time, it'll kind of give us a reason or give us a uh, a look at you know why there are different stages in electricity markets and how some are still kind of in the old school uh, vertically integrated space where there's one company that owns everything. Um, they own the generation, the wires, and, and they, they're the ones that bill you to other markets where you may be able to choose who you buy electricity from. And there are, um, and there's competition on who owns the power plants um, and generally less so on who owns the wires, but there's competition on who owns the power plants and who you might buy electricity from. And so there's a big continuation, a, a continuum of competition, if you will, um, across that whole space. But electricity markets, evolved from very regional uh, systems. So when we first started generating electricity, we thought we were only going to generate it at the at a very at a very local level. We never thought we were going to be able to move it very far. And so the the companies necessarily started out kind of small. And so to get the economies of scale, they owned all of the systems. They owned again the power plants, they owned the power lines, and then they're the ones who you paid for electricity. And that model just kind of evolved to, as we, as we figured out better technology to connect different cities and, and different areas kind of um, amalgamated together to form these bigger systems, that model just kind of kept going. 
And it actually got, it became exacerbated when we needed to build big power plants. When we started electrifying uh, industry, when we, when, every, when we started hooking up, you know, rural areas to electricity and, and dense cities, and we needed min, much more electricity, we started building these gigawatt scale plants, these massive things, you know, gigawatt scales, like kind of the size of a nuclear reactor. So they're a big power plant versus like a, a smaller um, hydro off of a, of, of a lake or something like that. Um, and to, 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 to generate those economies of scale, you needed someone who was able to, you know, put that on their balance sheet. And if they were, if they need to put that on balance sheet, they needed to be a big company. And so anyways, we ended up having these, what we call these vertically integrated systems. And, um, but that's changing as technologies evolve and these power plants age. Right. So what we've basically got, we're, we're got vertically integrated now, and now we're going to flatten that and and expand it. And I I think we should also mention the role of regulators here because the cost of service uh, model that I, I understand that Thomas Edison was the origin originator of back in like the 1880s is is still common today. I mean, you know, you basically charge what it costs you to produce the electricity and on top of that so that you've got a return on your on your capital and and then the market is regulated it's, and the, uh, the regulator sets sets those prices. But that model is rapidly disappearing and as I understand from your paper it's disappearing at different uh, in a different way at a different speeds depending on the jurisdiction, because what was true in the West Coast of the U.S. is not true in Ontario or Alberta or the U.K. or France. All of those are different, and so they each jurisdiction kind of has to grapple with these issues in a different way. Have I got that correct? Yeah, and I mean, and it even goes, it even goes, you know, further than that in terms of like, you know, when we're getting to some more developing markets, like how much, you know, control, um, you know, how, um, when we're talking about developing markets, you know how um, how well does their system operate? Whether or not they're able to, you know, transition into a um, in, into a more uh, you know competitive type market. But yes, local conditions do matter. Starting conditions matter. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. And uh, I think the uh, a lot of this trend is being. Uh, driven, as I understand it, from uh, distributed energy, because the, the fact that uh, consumers, maybe not on the you know rooftop, on a uh, uh, customer who's put some panels up on their house or their garage, but now you're looking at corporate customers are getting into power generation, mm -hmm. and they're becoming more like prosumers, right? The producer and and consumer, and there's all sorts of uh, desire to have electricity flow both ways. Now we're talking about using electric vehicles and garages as, as battery storage. The complexity that's coming in terms of generation and distribution and ways of managing that. And I think maybe we should use the California example this summer, uh, the, the problems they have with rolling blackouts. One of the solutions to that has been demand management, which is a type of market reform, right? so that you allow the utility uh, to go in and let's say um, like air conditioners are a big problem uh, during the afternoon when it gets really hot in places like California, or Texas where you're from. And so the utility goes in and says, you know what, instead of setting that your uh, thermostat at 70, we're gonna bump it up to 75 because that'll 
draw a lot less electricity. And when you do that over the course of, you know, millions and millions of, of homes and businesses, that makes a big, a big difference. So that's just one example of how the market is being reformed. Now, have I described that accurately? Yeah. I mean, I, so, I mean, I, if, you know, if we look at the old system where it was, you know, just, um, you know, companies were building new infrastructure, they were getting a regulated rate of return. Um, they had to, you know, go through a state agency or, you know, a, um, a government agency to, to, to get a certain rate or to, uh, to convince them that they were able to charge a certain rate so that they were able to provide um, um, power. You know, that's kind of the, the, the old business model. Um, but that doesn't necessarily fit very well with some of these new technologies that we see, like um, demand response, like as you described. Um, and then, you know, distributed generation or smaller bits of generation, not just solar, but, you know, maybe even in internal combustion engines, other things, backup generators, um, things like that. Um, in, in the States, we saw like some kind of, um, you know, some, some regulation come through in the, in the 70s and 80s that, that mandated that small plants were, were, had to be able to compete even in these um, regulated areas. And they had, to, they had to at least be compensated at the, at the cost to provide um, energy. And so that was kind of a foothold that started some of these areas to kind of transition into, um, into, uh, into in, 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 or, or added some competition to a very uncompetitive um, uh, market. But you know, as new technologies have advanced and, and as, um, as there are more players in the system, there, there are efficiencies that they may see that you know, the big companies might not see or maybe they don't wanna see. Um, and, you know, and, and the data streams that, that, that come with these new systems you know, can allow the system to operate more, more effectively and more efficiently. Maybe you don't need to build gigawatt scale plants anymore Maybe you just need to be able to control um, someone's air conditioner, like you said. But you know that there can be pushback against that because, like, how do you get a regulated return on controlling someone's air conditioner versus, like, you know, building new stuff? And so there, there, there are incentives that are kind of at clash here. Um, and you know, unfortunately, state agencies aren't, or, or government agencies aren't always the best at being able to say this is, you know, the value of demand response versus building new stuff. And so I. I think the markets, you know, when 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 um, when markets reform, I think they're better able to capture some of that stuff um, or some of those new energy technologies uh, into the system. And and there's a penalty for not uh, designing the the market to work properly in the first place, or if some of the policy around the market uh, isn't functioning properly. I'm thinking again of California, mm -hmm. because. Uh, in the aftermath of the rolling blackouts this summer, there were a lot of fingers being pointed, and one of the fingers was pointed at the regulator. And, you know, the, the independent system operator in California said, well, look, we've been telling the regulator for years now that we don't have enough backup generation capacity, and this very thing could, could happen. And, you know, here we are now because nobody listened to us. And we need a, we need, what are we going to do? Are we going to build more, you know, bring back on more natural gas peaker plants? Are we going to, you know, uh, reform our, our markets, uh, like get into a big Western elect electricity market on the West Coast so that we have more access from our neighbors? I mean, how are we going to do that? And if you make a mistake, you wind up with a blackout you know, in the middle yeah. of a, a really hot summer. So this, there are consequences to poorly designed uh, electricity markets. Yeah, I mean, I, I think some of the, um, you know, 
it, you know, you know, some of some of the worst uh, um, reform, so, some of the worst reforms happen when you only go part of the way. Um, when you when you only go part way and you don't and you and you don't go all the way. So there's like, um, you know, I like to compare like the um, some of the things like I like to compare Texas and California in a, for a lot of different reasons. Um, but you know you know, Texas is, is pretty deregulated as well as one of the more deregulated or, or reformed um, areas. And, you know, it, and it has a much lower reserve margin than, than other regions, but yet it, the power has stayed on. Um, and it's, I, I, I do think it's because it has a better market mechanisms for driving some of these, you know, um, you know non-generation, non-wire alternatives um, that you're, they're talking about. Well, let's talk about some of those market mechanisms because that's essentially what we're talking about when we say reform is, is what do those mechanisms look like and how do they work? So maybe you could give us uh, an overview of uh, what some of those mechanisms are. Yeah. So, um, so, so when, a so if you take like a, like a, like a modern electricity market, um, we'll, we'll start with Texas and then I can, I can add other, other pieces to it. So, you know, Texas has a, um, Texas has a day ahead market where um, entities that generate electricity and entities that consume electricity can come together and create, you know, day ahead contracts for prices and how much energy that they're going to, they're going to, um, um, they're going to sell. But then ERCA, er, the Texas also has a real time market because like you, you don't always know exactly how much electricity that you're going to be consuming at any given time. Maybe you overestimate or you underestimate. And so you've got a real time market that the price, you know, can fluctuate, you know, based on supply and demand, just like any other, other market. And then there are some other smaller markets for, you know, you know, you know, millisecond by millisecond balancing, you know, type, um, type approaches. Um, and, you know, um, so in, on the generation side, you can have power plants can can um, can bid into these markets to say, I want, you know, I will provide um, this much, you know, power. And then you can also, but you could also have load saying, I will just not consume as much power um, as I, you know, otherwise would have, or I have, you know, these demand response, or I can I can turn down my um, my demand whenever. Um, whenever um, you know supply and demand get tight and that has you know value as well and so but you have to have the regulatory mechanisms that that allow that to happen because it's not just a natural thing that that will necessarily form um or that is just a, a natural response of, of of deregulation there are other things that other markets have like capacity markets which are long-term planning markets um but i don't um know if that's what we're getting into here today well, that's fine. We'll we'll save capacity markets for uh, I guess it's capacity markets versus energy markets. We'll leave that for another day. But I, I want to pursue this idea of you know these little uh, markets are a, an agglomeration of a number of markets, if I understand this correctly. So that the both the um, the generator and the consumer or the the purchaser of that electricity for distribution. Uh, can meet all of its requirements in a real-time manner because this is the uh, the power grid is a very very complex thing and it and, and uh, you don't want to break it and you don't right. want you want it to run smoothly and efficiently and, and you don't want your customers to be inconvenienced so uh, it sounds like all of these little markets all play a role in smoothing out the operation of the larger system. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yes, every. Um 
you know, every, every market has its part because like it is a very complex system. You know, you want to, you want to have a good idea going into the next day, kind of what's going on. Then you, they have another market that deals with the kind of more, you know, at the various levels of, of finer tuning of the system, because you have to match supply and demand at all instances that there is real, no real storage um, in the electricity grid, like there is the water grid or gas grid. And so like, it's all real time. Um, and yeah, so I mean, it is multiple markets working together at different time scales um, with different products that, you know, that balance that whole system. Well, let's talk about something that's driving market reform and, and utilities are very worried about losing some of their commercial customers because let's take an ex as an example what happened in California this summer. It's fresh in everybody's mind, so a lot of us will remember the details. But they're worried that commercial customers will look at those incidents because like if you're a, a manufacturing plant and suddenly you, you, you lose power with little or no, no warning, that has real you know, business consequences for you financial consequences. But so you might look at that and go, you know what, I'm going to buy my own solar uh, panels, and I'm going to generate my own electricity, and I'm going to match it up with battery storage on site, because it's now, uh, it's now economic for me to do that. And I'm essentially going to get off, off that grid, and I'll look after my own, you know, electricity needs, thank you very much. And that, I, I, it's, from the sounds of it, is a little terrifying for utilities, because who wants to be losing big industrial customers like that. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I think, you know, utilities are going to have to transition from, you know, almost from a provider to a platform service if they want to like, you know, transition to the new, um, I mean, it, we're seeing this in other things like transportation and whatnot. Um, but like, you know, I, it, it does go against like some of their, you know, initial business models, but they're, you know, they're going, they're, they're going to have to, because I mean, like you said, um, I mean, I have a friend who's the head of facilities for, a, you know, a high tech manufacturing, you know, plant. And I know that if, if they go down, it's millions of dollars per hour that they, that they lose. Um, and even just losing power for a little while can shut their whole operations down and it takes a while to come back up. And so it's like, it's not just like, you know, like your house, your power goes out for a few minutes and you have to reset the, uh, you know, the, the clock on the microwave. Like it, it has bigger consequences for, for some of these other, um, for some of these, uh, for some of these other, you know, particularly commercial um, entities. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, anytime you lose, uh, you know, utilities and grids, they, they uh, spread prices, fixed cost over, you know, a, a whole lot of consumers and that's how they keep prices low. And so if they are losing consumers, then, you know, prices necessarily are going to, you know, go up if they're, you know, not able to, um, because they're going to have to maintain the system that they have anyways. Right. The, I had a, a utility executive give me a, what I thought was a very good metaphor or, you know, analogy for understanding how this process or how the system is changing. And what he said was, Remember back in the 1980s and the telephone system and the, the telephone, the telecom companies, it was a very kind of a, you know, vertically integrated kind of a system. I mean, they owned the exchanges and they owned the wires and in some cases they owned the telephones and they gave, and they sent you the bill and so on. And then in the, uh, in, in the, in the 80s and then particularly in the 90s with the internet, uh, advent of the internet and uh, fiber optic cable, they essentially re-engineered that model so that it became like a platform. It became a network that you hung 
in his words, you hung all of these different technologies off, and then the network allowed all of them to communicate so that it worked pretty seamlessly and reliably and at a very low cost. And he said, that's exactly where our industry is going. And we will have, you called it a platform, he called it a network, it's the same thing. And it sounds like the market and the technologies, all of these things work together to make that new model, that new network, the new platform, make it work. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 the, and the thing that makes all that work is, you know, a data layer, actionable data layers on, on top of that. So, because we're talking about delivering, you know, I don't know that we'll get to wireless electricity anytime soon, <laughs> where we're, uh, you know, sending, send, uh, like we can for, you know, telephones uh, and, and calls. Um, but, you know, the, the data layer exists nonetheless. And that, you know, it's the more data we have, um, the, the more we'll be able to control, the more we'll be able to, to trust uh, the systems and, you know, keep them, um, you know, keep them operational. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's a very good point because uh, I'm reading more and more in the the literature that that comes into my inbox every day that artificial intelligence is going to be a key technology going forward because it will be one of the means by which utilities or the grid, the systems operator, uh, manages all that data. So if if data is the key to making it work, you need the the technology to manage that, and that's artificial intelligence. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, um, you know, the, the volumes we're talking about are just are just too much for, you know, any, well, any given person for sure, but for, for, for people to really handle. And so we'll have to hand off some of that, you know, responsibility to, um, to, to machines that can make that uh, difference. We'll, we'll have to make sure, you know, that we, that we uh, program our values into that, because like, we, we want people to have electricity. Uh, we want, you know, we don't want someone's you know, breathing machine to go down or something just because the price is high necessarily. Like we, we, we do need to be, um, you know, careful with that. And as we're folding more of our, you know, um, sectors into the electricity network, say electric vehicles, so transportation in some parts of the country, electric heating. So, you know, for, for heat and things like that, you know, as we put more of that on the electricity grid, you know, we, we do, it becomes a bigger target as well, right? So we've we've got to we've 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 got to secure it um, while also giving it so many more ways to be to be flexible. And so it's a it's a pretty grand challenge uh, going forward. Let's talk about the utility in the province in which you and I are sitting right now, British Columbia, Canada. So it is called BC Hydro, and was formed in the early '60s. Uh, the, it's owned by the provincial government. And while it's not a true monopoly, I mean, there are uh, a couple of small uh, generators uh, and there are a number of what they call independent power providers, which are basically, you know, wind farm owners or run of the river, small hydro. But nevertheless, it owns all the transmission, it owns all the wires, it owns all the distribution, it, it's, it's where you get your bill from. And, it, and it's a cost of service, so it's in a very regulated market and a very traditional stuffy conservative kind of utility. Now, the problem is the, the provincial government here has got a very aggressive climate policy. So electrification of the economy is probably the primary tool by which they will meet their greenhouse gas emissions targets in 2030, 2040, and 2050. Depending on the estimates, and these are pretty rough, 
you could probably see at least a doubling of uh, electricity consumption in, by 2050. You might even see a tripling of electricity consumption by 2050. So a lot more electricity and you've got to generate it, move it around, the design markets and the, the utility has no experience with renewables. It has never done a solar or wind project. It briefly, the uh, system, the power grid was, was split off from the utility for a couple of years by a former government and then they slapped it back on and put it back into the company. So they really don't have any experience as an independent system operator and playing nice with other, with other generators. That's, that's been a bit of a problem. They're in bad financial, situ uh, bad financial shape. So here you have this old traditional conservative style utility where a lot of the uh, impetus to change will come from the government that owns it. And they now have to, to look at, or probably will have, I mean, this is so bad, they're not even having the discussion yet. So first they have to have the discussion and decide to do it, and then they have to figure out how they're going to design these markets. And, and the markets are going to be critical to how that climate policy gets implemented, whether it's going to be successful or not, whether prices are going to be low, and whether it's going to be reliable, and all of that kind of stuff. And that's kind of, BC is kind of an extreme end on the, extreme example of, of on the other end, you know, the kind of the, you know, uh, jurisdiction's got a long way to go. And then yeah. you've got next door in Alberta, you've got deregulated, you've got fun good functioning, well-designed markets, and you've kind of got the opposite. And then there's a lot in between that are still trying to figure this out. And is that a fair estimation of where the electricity market utility business sits these days? I mean, I think so. I mean, you even see that in the States. I mean, as, as, as I was thinking, you know, kind of about that, that, you know, Alberta's like Texas and, you know, BC may be like, you know, Georgia or something like that in terms of, you know, these, the, the, the market, you know, structures. And so, and, and yes, it, it is, it is hard um, to, 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 to break that apart. Um, but, you know, you take, you take a place like Texas, which is, you know, people aren't, um, you know, it's not usually seen as the most climate friendly state necessarily, uh, but it has the, it has the, it produces the most wind of any state. It has the, you know, it has almost 30 gigawatts of, of wind installed. Um, you know, solar is going to triple this year than it has been before. And it's because the costs are low and it, the, the cost to enter the, the, the cost to enter a market to become a power producer is, is low. The bar is very low um, for, for that. And so it's a very kind of, you know, business friendly, um, um, area. And so you see, you've seen this massive, you know, um, you know, build out of, 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 you know, zero carbon, you know, technologies. And so, but without, you know, without, um, you know, w without, you know, a, a, if the red tape is so large to, to do that type of thing, I mean, I think you'll, you'll see, um, you know, restrictions, you know, or you'll, you'll see less movement in that area. And I'm glad you brought up Texas again, because my understanding is that Texas and its system operator, which is called ERCOT, really got its start in the 90s. So it's, it's had, you know, a number of years to kind of work this out and, you know, figure out its mistakes. And it's, it's had the luxury of two decades. Whereas mm -hmm. if you're BC Hydro and suddenly now you're, you have to do this on a dime, and you yeah. have this, you know, very conservative, cautious utility culture, which is common across the world in utilities. 
uh, that makes it a lot tougher. Right? So th those utilities that are starting, uh, that you know, have started 10, 15, 20 years ago, appear to have really quite a significant advantage in the design of their uh, electricity markets. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, I think, you know, lessons can be learned across. I mean, it's like, you know, every location is different and it's not going to be a, and it's not, you know, deregulation is not a, or reform for is a better word to use there is not a, you know, one size fits all. Um, but I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, <laughs> they'll learn how to, they'll learn how to run a power market quick if they're forced to, right? I mean, it's like, if, it, if you open up, you know, generation to competition, if you, like a, like a way it could play forward would be to open up generation to competitions, you know, split off the generation from the transmission and maybe just hold the transmission. Maybe BC Hydro becomes a transmission company, doesn't own generation anymore. They just make sure that, you know, the power lines are there for people to compete on. Um, and then, you know, kind of, you know, and then slowly open up retail choice um, as well, maybe starting with a certain class of customers, um, you know, and then letting it, you know, trickle down to where, you know, it's kind of, um, it's kind of everyone. But, you know, you, you've got a, you've got examples next door in Alberta of, of what's going on. You know, California is a complicated one because they've gone far to the way and then, you know, not gone as far as I think would be useful for them to go. I think if they would continue their reforms, you know, um, all the way down to as far as Texas, I think they'd have a, you know, a better, um, a better go at, at, at where they've been. But I mean, it's lessons can be learned and there are successes um, out there. And so, and then, the, you know, you can learn from their, the failures as well. Well, I guess this will be the final uh, point that we talk about, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. And looking at the various jurisdictions, uh, one of the constraints to learning those lessons can be the political culture. So in, in BC's ca uh, case, where the provincial government owns the utility, it, it, it essentially uh, assign, it, it establishes the regulator and appoints the regulator members. Uh, it owns the owns the utility. It owns everything, right? Yeah. So now it has a, a left-leaning government, the NDP under John Horgan, that is very pro-public ownership. They don't want to change that. They they want to make the old system work better. In the, and it doesn't appear that that's going to work. But they don't. But they the fact that the government is pro-ownership and owns everything impedes the public conversation required to begin the market reform process. So this is a case of where politics actually becomes an impediment to market reform and slows things down and gums up the works, I, mean, I would imagine, if it ever happens in this province. But you've seen it in Ontario, had a really bad, a hard time when it started, you know, last decade, uh, reforming its markets for that very reason. Politics got involved. And, I, and now you see California politics is involved because, you know, uh, politicians come in like Gavin Newsom, you know, who's always promising cheap electricity and clean electricity. And then the system and the policy and the regulator can't deliver. So I just wanted to close on that note and, and you know, just point out that politics can play a very key role in how markets get designed or not designed properly. And would you agree with that? Or what's your take? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, if, if you don't have the political will to, to want to, you know, create, create markets in that, in that competition, it's, you know, it's not going to happen, you know, particularly if like utility may be seen as a cash cow or something. Um, it's, it's really hard uh, to let that go. I just, you know, personally, I think it works, 
you know, it works better. Politicians have a lot of things um, on their on their plate. And so I, I think it's better to hand off to, you know, someone who only focuses on, you know, electricity um, and, uh, you know, competition in order to, you can still set the bounds. You can still, you can still take a, a competitive market and give it, you say, you must get to, you know, zero carbon by 2050. That's still possible to do and then let the market figure it out, you know, on the way there, because it will. Um, and so, I mean, it's, it's not, in, it, it doesn't, it, you know, letting it go doesn't mean completely letting it go. You can still have influence. And as you know, you see in any state in the US, like we have public service commissions or whatever that have influence, even if the markets are competitive. Spoken like a true Texan. Josh, thank you very much for this. Always a pleasure to talk to you. And we'll look forward to having you on a future episode. Sounds good. It's been my pleasure.